get started this morning. The threat will be uh, sit down and let's get rolling or I'll keep you till one. <laughs> just, ki just kidding. I can, but <laughs> I have enough to say. <laughs> so, all right, Romans chapter 7, if you will, we're going to get back into our passage. Last week uh, you had a reprieve with uh, Phil filling in and uh, getting some uh, teaching under his wings. And uh, this morning we're going to get back into the passage here. Uh, really, we're, we're down in verse number 5, but let's go back up to verse number 1 just to kind of get the thinking back into our minds. Um, I know that over the, the course of the week, things come in and out, and sometimes it just takes a bit to get recentered back in our thinking. Verse number 1, um, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. Illustration. For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if, while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress through the, I'm sorry, though she be married to another. Application. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Now, again, we, we looked through that issue there. Verse 4 is the declaration. Here's the, here it is. Ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. He uses the illustration of marriage. And again, I'll just say it, in verse 2 and 3, that is not the, the, the dictation of how marriage is to be today. Paul deals with marriage in Ephesians 5 and 1 Corinthians 7. This is for illustration only, okay? And what happens is, is in the illustration of marriage, the perfect illustration of the relationship between husband and wife, but also between us and the 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 the, the uh, us in Christ. Okay, if you real quick run over there to Ephesians five, it's very fascinating when you think about marriage and you think about the marriage relationships. Uh, chapter five of Ephesians, verse twenty-two: Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as unto who? The Lord. There's a connection there. Uh, verse twenty-four. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ. So we're going to paint a picture here. You see the sub, how the church is subject to Christ. So let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. That as and so. <laughs> you see how this is? Here's how that's going to be. Husbands. Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So now he's going to talk, he talks to the wives. Here's a relationship that you're to have with your husband. The picture, the standard is the relationship between Christ and the church. Now, husbands, here's your picture. Here's your standard. Now, if you drop down to verse 30, for we are, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Verse 32, this is a great mystery, 
but I speak, I speak concerning Christ and the church. So when you come back here to Romans 7, when he uses this illustration of marriage, there's something going on here in the relationship that we now have in Christ, because we're in Christ, with the law. Guess what? That relationship is now dead. Now, there's nothing, go back to Romans 7, make sure you're back there. There's nothing wrong with the law. If you look there at verse 12 of Romans 7, wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. See, the law is a good thing. Who's the problem? We are. The sinner is. Mankind is. And that's really what we're after. And Paul's going to say some odd things about the law here and our relationship to the law. And, re and in reality, that relationship, that, all of that concern there has to do with you are dead to the law. Now, notice verse 2. By the way, how are we dead to the law? Verse 4, by the body of Christ. That's not the church, the body of Christ. That's the body of Christ where he died on Calvary. If you look there in, the, in that verse, he says, even to him who is raised from the dead. You see, when Christ died at the cross, on the cross, not only did he take care of the penalty of sin, Romans 1 to 5, but now we're learning that he's taking care of the power of sin in chapter 6, 7, and 8. And there's this deadness that we're having to, uh, in, in our relationship. So the when he says there that we're dead to the law by the body of Christ, he's talking about the finished work of Calvary. That finality, that cro the cross work of Christ has not only set us free from the dominion of sin, but now it has set us free from the dominion of the law, that operating system, that legal operating system that comes in and does and moves. And we looked at it last time there, the if and the then that principle, if you do, then you get blessed. If you don't, then you're cursed. And we looked over there at Deuteronomy 28. We looked at different places, the blessings and the cursings and so forth last time. Okay? 7-2, real quick. There's a key word in, in, in verse 2. Do you remember what the key word is? Loosed. Notice in verse 2, but if the husband be dead, she is what? Loosed. The, the law, all of the demands, all of the ties, all of the legal claims that the law had has been severed and cut away. If you go over to Ephesians 2 and you read what Paul says here, that the, in Ephesians 2, I, I can't think of the verse, so verse 15 Verse 14, for he is our peace who hath, well, verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. All of that's been dealt with. You go over to Colossians 2, you read the comparative verse over there, and he did what? He dealt with all that. He, he severed, he loosed us back in Romans 7 now. So there's no longer a legal claim against you or on you. Then in verse 3, there's a, another key word. 
But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law. Okay? But what is she free to do? So that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. So what is she free to do? Go remarry. See? So what are you and I free to do? Verse 4. Go be married to another one. To, to another one. To another. Okay? What, go and have a relationship, a new relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Follow that. So remember, loosed and free. Two key words here. Our new relationship, the newness of the Spirit, we're going to see down in verse 6. The newness of life, chapter 6. That new thing, not a rehab, not a redo, not a remake, but new. The new creature, the new man. So again, you, you think about marriage. I, I actually wrote them down this time. You take blue and you add and plus yellow and you get what? Do you know? Green. So you got team blue, single life, team yellow, single life, and you make green, married life, guess what you got? New identity. You're no longer over here. You're dead to this. You're new. You take red and yellow, and you get orange. I like orange, you know. You take red and blue, and you get purple. Again, you're taking this old identity, and what are you doing? You're dead to it. We're making something new. Marriage, great illustration of it is tennis. Singles, tennis, you win, you lose. It's all on you. But when you get married, you go play doubles. Now it's we win, we lose. Not it's why didn't you make the shot. It's we didn't make the shot. See? So now you have this new relationship. All of this now is going to, des- it's, it's, it's here, look at verse 4, the end of the verse, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. That's the issue of all of this. That's the issue of being dead to sin. That you would have fruit unto, remember, righteousness, unto holiness. Chapter 6 there, verse uh, 19 Now in chapter 7, what are we going to find out? We got some fruit here now because we are dead to the law. Being loosed from the law. Being loosed from the law principle. The if and the then. (laughs) If you don't, otherwise, that operating system. And that operating system of the law cannot, never can, never will, never can cause, never will have any impact on restraining sin in your life. It cannot cause a believer today to live godly. It cannot reflect the new relationship that we have with God because of the cross of Christ, because of us being in Christ now. It just won't work. Because what does the law do? It, shi- it brings in the knowledge of sin, doesn't it? And Paul's going to get down here, and he's going to say, verse 11, for sin taking occasion by the commandment, did what? Deceived me and slew me. The commandment is righteous. It's holy. It's good. Who's the problem? The sinner is. That's the, and that's the issue here. 
And that's what's going on. So to produce fruit, it can never restrain sin. It can't reflect their new relationship. And Paul says we are dead to the law by the body. So you know what we are? We're free to enjoy who we are in Christ. To enjoy that new operating system called grace. That guess what? It can resist sin, restrain sin. It does that by motivating the believer to live godly. See? It does reflect. Grace says you can't do it. Sin says it's already done. I'm sorry, grace says. (laughs) Thank you, Marla. Marla smiled at me. (laughs) Grace says it's done. The law says, don't do that. Grace says, you've been doing that all along. That's what I paid for. See? So you have that issue here. Now, when we come, so you, so under the new operating system called grace, we can restrain sin. We can be motivated to live godly. And we can be, we can reflect that new relationship that we have in Christ. Now in verse 5, all that's review (laughs) from two weeks ago. Verse 5, for when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in in newness of the Spirit, and not in oldness of the law, of the letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law sin was dead." For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. Now, we're going to move into a description here by the Apostle Paul of of how all of this is designed to work. Here, Here is the provision. Here's what's going to happen when you come to understand that you are dead to to the law. Here's a description to the mechanics of, that make that position a reality in your life. And he does it by using a personal experience. Notice there in verse 7. By the way, it isn't enough for God to say that this is who you are. This is who you are. We now are to do what? Learn the mechanics that makes that position a reality in our lives. Bring it off of the page, put it into your inner man, put it out of your inner man into daily activity, daily life. I, uh, two weeks ago we were talking about that, relate, that, that 
conditional relationship that Israel had. What a lousy way to live life for us today on a, on based on a conditional relationship. You know, especially like in marriage with your spouse, with your kids. Now, when they're little, you're disciplining them, you're teaching them, you're training them. But as they get older, you have to release them to adulthood. You got to begin to instill in them what it is to live under grace. You got to do some things as parents. But man, to have a condition if you don't do this, then this is what's going to happen. That's a horrible way to live. See, God says, no, this is who you are, this is how this works. Notice, if you will, verse 7. Paul's going to use a personal uh, experience here. He's going to use a per- something that happened to him. Verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay. What's that next word? I. Well, who in the world would the I be? Every bonehead commentary thing I've read over there, he says, oh, this is, this is the unbeliever. Paul's an unbeliever here when he says, I? Really? You know why they say that, by the way? Because they don't believe that you're dead to the law. They want to put you under the law. So they have to make this an unbeliever's conversation here so that the believer can still be placed under the performance system of the law. See? Paul says, no, I, me, I had not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law had said, what? Thou shalt not covet. Paul's going to say some things here about the law, and we have to be very careful with them. We have to leave them in their context here, okay? And context here is going to help save your bacon in some of this. Saves my bacon, I should say, (laughs) okay? As we go through this. And we need to be careful here. So we need to learn the context. We need to leave this in the context about what he's doing. By the way, notice what the, the sin is that we're going to be talking about. when we, We're going to go back up to verse 5, but as we come through, notice verse 7. I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not, what? Covet, but sin. What sin? In the context, what is the sin? Thou shalt not covet. You see, Paul is having an issue in his life on covetousness. And he says, man, if I didn't know that law over there, thou shalt not covet, I wouldn't be having a problem, but because I do know that law over there, I'm having a struggle here. Think about Paul. Think about when he looks at the Corinthians, a wealthy group of people, and yet he says over there in 2 Corinthians 11, I'm naked, I'm destitute, I, I, I'm struggling to even make my own bills and, or put food on my, for lunch. And you guys are wealthy, and you're not take, helping me at all. You know? And he goes, I don't speak this to your shame, I want you to grow and learn. But the thing is, is he's got, there's some things going on in his personal life that he's struggling with. So when you get into this, when he says, but sin... It's a very specific thing in the illustration. That's my point. Maybe you don't struggle with covetousness. Maybe you struggle with pride. Then that would be the sin here. But he lays out specifically at the end of verse 7 there, said, thou shalt not what? Covet. See? So when you think about that, we'll get down in there. Uh, That's something to remember here. 
This is a personal illustration. Now, back up to verse 5. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Again, if we're operating in who we are, dead to the law at the end of verse 5, we're going to bring forth fruit unto who? God. Okay? Now, if we're going to go put ourselves back underneath the, the performance management system, PMS, performance management system, Okay? Some of you will get that to catch on. All right? What happens? It produces fruit unto what? Death. But now notice something. Verse 5. For when we were in the flesh, we have the, mo- the motions of sins. All right? Well, what's that? Which flesh are we talking about? Because in Scripture, flesh is used different ways. Look down at verse 18, 718. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, there's a part of us that's called flesh. We have this physical body, don't we? Come over to chapter 8, chapter 8, verse 23. You know, our physical body here, the, the DNA, this thing, you know, I uh, cut myself the other day. It bled. Put a Band-Aid on it. Get the bleeding. You know, it was so deep. Not really. (laughs) You know, couldn't walk for three weeks, right? No, that's that physical thing. And what does it do, verse 23? What does it begin to do? Well, it begins to groan within ourselves, don't we? We begin to hurt. We, We have this degenerative nature in our physical body, and we begin to hurt. We begin to feel it. So when he says, in my flesh and in the flesh, this stuff's going to happen, he's not talking about the physical body. If you come back to 619 of Romans, and he, speak, and he says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. He's not talking about Romans 8, groaning and travailing and hurting. So he's using flesh in a different way, in a different manner. And again, context tells you the flesh, how what he's talking about. By the way, the infirmity of the flesh is talking about something inside of you by nature, Adam's nature. The sin nature, this old man we call it. The natural man, Paul calls it. There's something inside of you, innate in you, inherent in each of us. It resides in this physical body. And you know what it says? Get out of my way. I can do it. That's where we're at in chapter 7. Okay? Get out of my way, chapter 6. I can stop sinning because I know I hate sinning. So I can stop it. I hate sin because God hates it. Get out of my way, man. I can do it. And what happens? Failure. Chapter 7, all right, preacher, just give me a rule to operate by and a law to do. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not do this. You give all your money to the church. How's that one? Nobody likes that one. It's fascinating in the gifts listed by Paul, you know, there. The gift gift of giving is never talked about. (laughs) Everybody wants the other stuff. But there's a gift of giving that's involved. I like that gift. 
what do we do? What happens when that's the case, when that's the mantra? Give me something to do, perform. Well, it's going to lead unto death. So the flesh, notice 725. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. That's not your body. That's something innate inside of you. 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Again, that's not the physical thing. That's that innate thing inside of you that comes from Adam. Verse 3. For what the law, 8.3, for what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. We can, all of that is not the physical thing. It's something inside of man. He was made to be sin. Psalms back there, he says, I am nothing but a worm. I'm not even a man anymore. I'm a worm. That degenerative nature that man has. By the way, if you look at verse 5, 8, 5, for they that are after the flesh do what? Mind the things. You see, there's a part of you that has a thinking capacity. You mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. You have a, we recognize that there is a part of who we are called the flesh that has the capacity, the mind, has a viewpoint. Come back to chapter 7. Has a, has a, has a viewpoint, has a specific frame of reference. Again, Paul calls it the old man. He calls it the natural man. We call it the old sin nature. That nature that came to us by Adam, chapter 5, verse 12. That, that thing in Galatians over there in 5 says it's going to war in your inner man. It's going to war against you. So our flesh has this capacity to think. So when he says here in 7, 5, for when we were in the flesh, when we were operating in this capacity, when we were when we have gone back to our preconceived things that we can do it in our strength, our own strength, when we can, we can do it according to our own abilities, our own capacities, that's what he's talking about when we're walking after the flesh, when we were in the flesh. That infirmity in the flesh literally is when we resort to the self-effort when we resort to our self-determination, our self-life, and we say, we can do it, we can restrain it, we can stop it, and yet in reality, we fail. And that's where we're at. In Romans 7, Paul's going to give us a prime illustration here of what it is, how it is when we try and go serve God and live for God, and we're doing it in the energy of our own flesh, what it looks like. It's failure. It's frustration. It's a disaster. That's why he cries there in, verse, in chapter 7, verse 24, 
O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Man, who, who can get me out of here? <laughs> and that's a cry of a believer. Verse 5, for when we were in the flesh, when we're operating in the realm of the old way of thinking, that I can do it. And yet in reality, what do we learn? We can't do it. Then he says, verse 5, the motions of sin, which were by the law. <laughs> That's okay. Now, we have to be careful here. Notice the motion of sin. Sin is the motions of sin. Do you see emotion, motion, activity? Sin is active. It, it, you know what sin does? Sin's like water. You ever put water? I got a little boat, a 12-foot boat, a little fishing boat. I get it home. We're going to go out in it, Ricky and I. We're going to go fishing. And uh, we put it in the swimming pool. Maybe you saw the f pictures on Facebook. And you know what we found out? We had a little leak in the back transom area. So you pull it out, and I don't have anything to fix it. So I go up to the marine shop, and the guy sells me a bucket of glue stuff. And by the way, it didn't work. But anyway, so I asked him, I said, how do you guys test these little boats out for leaks? He says, you put the plug in, and you fill the boat up with water. And then he said, you make sure everything's dry on the ground underneath, and the water will find the leak for you as it drips on the ground. And you go underneath there with the marker, a, ma a, a Sharpie, mark it, drain the water, flip it over, and then repair the leak. Why does, why, why would he do, water does what? Water's looking for the loophole, isn't it? Water's looking for the least, ex, the least amount of resistance. By the way, I did it. I went and got that flex spray stuff. You see the guy on TV? It worked for one trip. I'm, I'm like three coats in now, you know. So the boat looks like a wobble wump, you know. It's heavy on one side, low on the other. But we still have a good time in it. It still leaks. I can't figure it out, but it's there. Anyway, we haven't been out in it lately. It's been a little too chilly. And, so, and it's a little boat, so we go out on Canyon Lake, and then the big boats come by, and we end up in the drink, you know. So it's like, <laughs> but the thing is, is what does sin do? Same thing. It's looking for the loophole. It's looking for the, the area of least resistance. Motion of sin. It's active. It's moving. It's actively looking for an inlet. It's actively looking for a way to come in and to cause you to move off of the, the newness of the Spirit and get back to the oldness of the letter, get off of who you are in Christ, get back, get you back over here thinking you can do it on your own and in the energy of your flesh. Performance management system. Sin does that. But notice it says the motions of sin which were by the law. This is where you have to be careful because Paul is not saying that the law is the cause of sin. Okay? What is the cause of sin in the world? Romans 5, verse 12. For by one man 
sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sin. How did death, what is the cause of sin in the world? Adam. Thank you, Adam. See? Not the law, again, verse 12, the law is what? Holy, good, just, righteous. The problem is, in the context, Paul's saying, listen, the motions of sin, it is identified, it's brought up by the law. In the illustration here, as Paul describes what happens when you utilize the law, trouble's going to come. The motions of sin is what's going to happen, which are by the law. Paul's going to tell us here in just a minute, when I tried to live unto God on my own resources, I, when I went back under the old way of thinking, and the old operating system of the law, you know what? It, it caused motion to happen in my life. It caused activity. But the end result wasn't fruit unto life. It was fruit unto death. By the law. The law didn't cause the sin. Please always remember that as we go through this. But what does the law do? Thou shalt not fill in the blank. The law identifies the things that God calls sin. The law comes along, it's holy, it's just, it's right, it's good, and it shines that big LED light and says, that's the sin. Now, who did it? That was Adam's, the old sin nature. Verse 6, great word, but now. <laughs> See the old way? What happened? Under the old, I got the motions of sins going. And you know what it did? It produced, uh, did work in our members, the end of verse 5 there, to bring forth fruit unto death. You know what it did? It just brought death. But now. Boy, what a great word. Two words. But now what? We are delivered from the law. That. Now, there's two that's here. That. You know, but now we are delivered from the law. It's a shame that the majority of Christendom out there misses this. And they think that their relationship with God the Father is dependent upon their activity, their performance. And what's that verse 6 say? Uh-uh. Excuse me, you are delivered from the law. De you know, that word delivered, that's a great word. Hey, come over to Acts uh, uh, chapter 23. Here's a great word, here's a great definition of being delivered. I was, uh, I've been reading Acts with some of the stuff that's been going on lately, just kind of refreshing my mind in them. Acts 23 verse 27, Acts 23 27. Now, you have to remember, Paul is he's sent here to Felix at Caesarea. If you look back up at verse 9, and uh, there arose a great cry, and the scribes that were 
of the Pharisees, Pharisee part arose and strove, saying, We find no evil in this man, but if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him, let us not fight against God. But when there arose a certain dissension, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force and from, uh, from among them and bring him into the castle. Paul, Paul, there's a great, Paul should have been what? Killed. He should have been torn in pieces, right? Should have been dead. Claudius goes down, gets him. Verse 26, Claudius Lysias, under the most excellent governor, Felix, sendeth greeting. He, Claudius goes in, catches him, gets him out of there, knows he's a Roman citizen, brings him up. Verse 27, this man was taken of the Jews and should have been killed of them. And then came I with an army and rescued him, having understood that he was a Roman. You see that? Rescued? What did the guy do? He delivered him, didn't he? You see, delivered, rescued. So when you come back here to Acts, or Romans 7, verse 6, but now we are delivered from, we have been rescued from the law. We, we, we have, he, he comes in and he says, we've been rescued from peril and danger of still thinking in that old system. We've been rescued. God himself has rescued us from pending destruction by keeping us under the law, that old way of thinking. By the way, it doesn't say to be delivered. It says what? We are delivered because of, of what? The grace operating system, the free gift system. We are we are delivered from the law. How? By the body of Christ, by the crosswork of Calvary, by this new system that God calls grace. And it's by grace that he's rescued us from the old operating system. Verse 6, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should, what? Serve. Boy, we've been set free to do what? Serve. Serve in the newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Two things that happen here when we're delivered. We are delivered from the law, verse 6 there. That, being dead wherein we were, what? Held. When we're dead... Over here, in our old man, our old way of thinking, it held us. Destruction, death was its... But now we've been what? That being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve. I love that. In the newness of the spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. The oldness of the letter is the thou shalt. Now, what's going to happen from here now through Romans 7 is Paul is going to describe what it means to live under the oldness of the letter. And then in chapter 8, he's going to describe what it means to live under the newness of the Spirit. See that? 
So from here down now, he's going to talk about what it was for him to go back underneath that law and try to perform and do and the frustration and the death to my walk, to his walk that it brought. And then in Romans 8, he's going to come in and say, now you got this new power center, the Holy Spirit, that's going to work in your spirit as you take him in and what's going on. And now you can go walk unto God and live and serve. You follow that? See how he's working this, I hope. The newness of the Spirit. By the way, look at chapter 8, just so you see it. Chapter 8, verse 2. We have been delivered from the old because we have a new operating system called grace. That's the point in all this. Look at 8, 2. Romans 8, verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of what? Life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And he's going to spend the rest of eight talking about that issue. The newness of spirit, folks, has to do with our spirit being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Come over to Galatians chapter 5. And the Holy Spirit never, ever, 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 ever leads you to live and walk and function under the law. It never drags you. If you're living under the law... You know who, who put you there? You did. Follow that? Galatians 5, verse 16. Galatians 5, verse 16. The, this I say then, walk ye in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. What a struggle. By the way, well, verse 18. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under what? The law. The newness of Spirit... Romans 8 is going to show us the the empowering ministry of the Holy Spirit as he strengthens our inner man. Now he's going to use the words on the page, in a book that he wrote, and it's going to come along and and it's going to set at naught that old way of thinking. By the way, Galatians 5 there, you find out that the flesh and the spirit, what do they do? They war with each other. Again, it's not this physical body. My physical body never wars with the Holy Spirit. But what's going on inside does. That mind the things of the flesh. Now go back to Romans 7. So you've got this issue here of the the newness of the Spirit. That is going to be Romans 8. And not in the oldness of the letter, the thou shalt nots. So he starts, verse 7, with a question. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Well, God forbid. For nay had I not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. You see, the law didn't cause the sin. In Paul's thinking here. It simply, what? Informed us of the condition. 
That condition you're in and going through is sin, Paul. Why? Because the law says, thou shalt not covet. Think about the law. Think about a tape measure. Okay? You get your tape measure out, and you're going to measure a board. By the way, next door is a microwave. I bought for the church. It's too big. You know why? Because I didn't measure it. So if you need a microwave, check it out. $50. If you give me $75, i will deliver it. But $50, and <laughs> I'm just kidding. $50, and you can have a microwave. It's a nice microwave, hardly used. Okay? What do you do with the tape measure? You start it, you pull it out, and you say, three foot. How do you know the board's three foot? Because the ruler, the standard said it's what? Three foot. You put the board down. Come back three months later, pick that board back up, run your tape on it, and it says two foot seven eighths. That's how I measure it's still, what, what is it? What should it be? It should be three feet. But in the meantime, I've come in and cut a foot off, so it says two foot. Now, what, how do I know it's two foot? The rule didn't change. The ruler didn't change. It just magnified that what happened? The board changed. Follow that? That's the law. The law says, here's the rule. The problem isn't the rule. The problem is what's being measured out. Look at 7.18. You see, Paul says, I didn't know until the law said what? Thou shalt not covet. You see that in verse 7? Paul says, I didn't know sin until the law said, the ruler said, it's three foot. Then I knew that board was three foot, or in my case, two foot seven eighths. <laughs> I don't even, whatever, you know. I'm making numbers up now. Three sixteenths. I have a rule. I have a tape measure. It was Brian's when he was alive, and I've kept it. I hide it so nobody can take it. I know where it's at, at least I think, if I can remember, because it, it numbers out all the way down to the little dude, and I can never remember quarter, you know, eighth, and all that. But it says it, and it's big and bold. He had it when he was a top end plumber, <laughs> and like right on, right on, you know. Why? Because that's what the rule is. But I didn't know that until what? I pulled the rule out and said, hey, there it is. Paul says, I didn't know it was sin until what? Until the law said, it's a sinful. That activity, that lust, Paul, is sinful. Look at 718. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but notice, how to perform that which is good, what? I find not. Why? Because in me there's no good thing. And that's what 7-7, seven, seven, he's saying. Nay, I had not known the law. I have not known sin, sorry, but by the law. With the law, there's now an awareness of sin. I didn't know it before. When the law showed up, you know what the law simply told me? That's sin. That activity you're doing there, Paul. By the way, he says, for I have not known what? Lust. That's the sin. How did he know what lust was? Because the law said what? Thou shalt not covet. 
Again, I had not known. Personal experience. This is a personal experience given to us by the Apostle Paul himself. And if he can struggle with it, guess what? You can struggle with it as well. You remember in Philippians 4 over there, he says, I have learned, I have been instructed in whatever state I am therewith to be what? Content. Here he is not content. He's coveting something. He's lusting after. He had to do what? Get instructed and then learn it. See, what do we have to do? Get instructed and then apply it and learn it and go down through. Paul had a problem with covetousness. Paul said, something happened in me that I started to covet what others were having. And again, what did that do? The motions of sin started. Things began to come active. He began to lust after. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know what it is. Scripture doesn't say. But I sure know what he goes after the Corinthians about having stuff and not providing for him and taking care of. So I just think about one of those shipwrecks where he crawls up on the beach naked as a jaybird, and guess what happens? There's nobody there to help him. You know, and he's down having to struggle as a tent maker to get lunch to provide. And yet here sits a wealthy group of believers who he's teaching and taking care of that aren't taking care of him. You know, and yet the wonderful little church at Philippi, they're emptying out the store, you know, everything for him. So there's some things that are going on here that Paul says, hey, I have an issue and I, again, it doesn't say what he is. It doesn't say he's, what he's talking about. A lack of necessities would be the only thing I could think of. But you know what? Paul's suffering with it. Why? Because the law showed up and said what? That what you're doing is sin. And he says, I know, I, folks, I understand what this is about. I know what's going to happen. And you know what's going to happen? Trouble. Because what's look at verse 11. For sin taking occasion by the commandment. What's lust doing? Taking an occasion by the commandment did what? Deceived me and by it slew me. Isn't that interesting? Go back to verse 8. I've got to keep on track here. got seven minutes. So I'm not keep you till one. You guys never let me hear the end of it. Look at 7, 8. But sin taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law sin, notice, what was dead? Again, the sin is the sin of lust in the context. Here's the illustration. Here's what Paul's struggling with. You may be struggling with pride or with anything else. You can stick it in for you, but Paul says, the Holy Spirit through Paul says, here's the sin, and you know what it's going to do? It's, it's going to take occasion. It's going to rot in you all manner of... It's just going to be in full motion, and it's going to cause nothing but death. It's going to begin to exploit Paul here. It's going to begin to exploit you in life. Verse 9, For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. It revived. Sin's already alive. It's in the flesh. It's there. 
But the commandment came along and said what? Get going. The motions of sin, go. You're up. He's following the law now. He's not following grace. He's not following who he was in Christ. He's missing the identity. You're on, you know, you're the next one up. Let's go. And you know what sin does? Thank you. And gone. See? Revive there doesn't mean come alive. It's talking about activity, movement. Sin's already alive there. We've seen that. Our relationship with sin, chapter 6, is what? We're dead to sin, right? Sin didn't die. We died to sin. The law is there. We're now dead to the law. And the commandment, verse 10, which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. Ordained to life. Come over to chapter 10, verse 5. Chapter 10 of Romans, verse 5. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall, what? Live by them. You know the commandment back here? The commandment which was ordained, which was, past tense, ordained to life. Again, you go back to Deuteronomy. You go back there to Deuteronomy 6. And he's, uh, <laughs> I just had the verse. Deuteronomy 6 and verse number, oh, verse number 5. Where Moses says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And man, what happens when you do that? You got life. You're going to live. You're going to, that was Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. You're going to have enjoyment. You're going to prosper. You're going to have all the blessings flow to you. It was, but Paul says here, 710, you know what I found it to be? death. <laughs> I just found it, verse 11, 711, I find it to, to take an occasion to deceive me and slew, and slew me. You see? Again, verse 12, Romans seven twelve. what is the law? It's holy, it's good, it's right, it's just and good. The problem isn't the law, the problem is what? Paul, you and I, us, now, look at verse 11. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. That's, that's very interesting. Paul says, when I got put myself back underneath the law, in order to live unto God, to live godly, okay, which, by the way, every Christian wants to live godly. Everybody, again, chapter 6, we're learning the position of who we are in Christ. We're what? Well, we're dead to, dead to sin. Chapter 7, dead to the law. Chapter 8, dead to the flesh. We're alive unto God. We're alive through Christ. And we're alive because of the power of the Holy Spirit. But what are we learning? Not I, but what? But Christ. And when I go back over there and I try to do it myself, when I try to control and restrain and have a response of 
of what I want to do, I'm deceived. I'm a fool for thinking that way. It's deceived me. It came in and told me I could do this. And because I was trying to do it, you know what it did? It slew me. It caused me not to live as who I am in Christ. It caused me to leave the gift of, the gift of grace and to come back over here and live under a performance system that no one could ever keep except for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's because he didn't have a what? A sin nature, see. He says, man, when I tried to come in and control and restrain that response of lust and of covetousness, sin came up, and it says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to exploit you, and I'm going to deceive you, and then I'm going to kill you. You know, sin's wrong, right? But you know what? We like it. We love it. We want some more of it, <laughs> as the song says. Okay? And you know what sin says? That's fine. I'll exploit you. I'll come along and I'll tell you, I'll keep you from being who you are in Christ. Because you know what we try to do? We try to do it in our own energy of our own flesh. We put ourselves underneath our own performance management system. That's why I said two weeks ago, you don't have to go back to the Ten, ten Commandments. You can just do it to yourself and to a tradition. So Paul here, describing the danger of operating under the old performance system, the law, the rule. I have a note here about the law. That which governs, power to control, tendency to rule over. It's not always a law of thou shalt not. But it is one of family tradition, religious tradition. Remember the Lord scolds the Pharisees and the Sadducees for, for the, making the word of God of none effect and going after the traditions of the fathers. And tithing and wa washing of hands and pots and pans is not in the law, folks. That's what they came up with. Now, starting in verse 13 to the end, Paul is going to describe all that he found as a result of sin coming along and deceiving him and slewing him. And the, the law simply, it's just, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? It's just going to destroy you. It's going to destroy Paul here. And it's going to cause Paul to come out on the other side of saying, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, it's going to cause Paul to come to the point that you and I need to be at is, listen, that law, that legalistic performance management, sin management system ain't going to do nothing but cause trouble. I need to come over here and live as who I am in Christ and live under grace. I need to treat myself that way. I said it to you a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago now, I think. You need to preach the gospel to yourself all the time. And then worry about preaching it to other people. Okay? 
We'll pick up in verse 13 because time's up plus some, okay? All right, dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we thank you for all that we have in your Son that you've given to us because of that identification with him. In your name we pray, amen. All right, we'll be.